I'm Bettina from Bettina's Kitchen and I'm a plant-based chef, cookbook author and blogger. And I'm Nikki from Rebel Recipes. I'm a food blogger and also a cookbook author. And this is our podcast, What the Focaccia, kindly brought to you by the lovely team at Odyssey. Very much like us, Odyssey believe that food is a way of getting us back in touch with the things that matter the most in life. Food is so good at bringing us together, getting us to think about new ideas, and of course, feeding good conversation. Bettina, you're so right. Odyssey actually specialise in supplying fabulous Greek and Mediterranean flavours and ingredients. And you can see it all for yourself on their website, which is odyssey.com, spelt O-D-Y-S-E-A. It's definitely worth checking them out. And also they have a recipe section, which has some amazing food ideas. And they have very kindly given us an exclusive offer for all of our podcast listeners. So if you order anything from Odyssey and use the code WTF15 at the checkout, you'll get 15% off, which is even more of a reason to check out their lovely produce. Right, let's meet this week's guest. Tom Hunt is award-winning chef, writer and food waste campaigner. His Bristol restaurant Poco has won numerous awards, including the Best Ethical Restaurant, He's written for many newspapers and magazines, and he writes a weekly column for Feast Magazine in the Saturday Guardian. And his new book, uh, Eating for Pleasure, People and the Planet, has just been released, and it's wonderful. I love it. So good. We're Amazing. So happy. Thanks, guys. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. So first, how are you? How, how, how are you? How are you doing? Uh, obviously, <laughs> this, is, this, is, uh, this is remotely recorded so how are you doing thanks for asking i'm fortunately very well um and yeah i mean as a freelance food writer life hasn't changed much for me in self in this social isolation <laughs> yeah. yeah actually i'm on top form thank you for asking your content's been amazing it looks like you've been on a mission you produced some incredible content oh thanks yeah well my book eating for pleasure people and planet came out the week of lockdown yes I and so that. my whole summer of events were cancelled yeah. and so I had to just rethink my approach and what you know I should be doing in terms of um talking about the book and engaging with the you know wider community and so yeah thought okay I'm going to produce these videos and threw out all my inhibitions and started to do a video or two a day with my wife filming and our little baby Lyra um and yeah and like everyone I decided okay it's a good time to to start making sourdough again and so did a series of sourdough videos which were brilliant and got so much wonderful engagement and I mean as you know someone working in food and writing as I'm sure you guys agree we do what we do so that we can help people cook better and to help inspire people with their food. And so with the book coming out and all of these videos, there was just a, yeah, a wonderful feeling around social media and that wider community coming together to cook um, my dishes and, and, and yeah, and it was just really wonderful to see. Yeah. I mean, I've been, you know, I've been avidly watching and uh, yeah, I think you've just done it in such a really, you know, engaging, but lovely, but as you say, really useful way. And it's exactly the sort of content that people 
were needing. I mean, I think things have changed over time. Um, I don't know. Well, I certainly felt, you know, a little bit nervous about sort of going on camera and things. And I think everyone, I don't know whether you agree with Tina, but within the first few weeks, it was like suddenly there was an urgency to sort of get some helpful content up. And it didn't really matter anymore whether, you know, we what the quality was like we could just sort of get it up there and try and be useful and and, and help people um and I think you know that's uh that's changed the way I certainly develop content now um what do you think I think um we've we've all sort of changed during this lockdown haven't we I was going to ask you um how did this all start for you when did it start have you sort of trained as a chef um give us a little backstory uh, that that is not Googleable <laughs> or researchable. Yeah, well, we, we we do know we do know quite a lot. So we want some some nuggets here. Some, yes, some inside information. Well, I guess my chef story is less told. I I've been cooking since ninety seven. Um, professionally, I started work as an. I, well, actually, I started out uh, in education uh, studying fine art. But at the same time, so I studied at fine art for five years, but at the same time I had this underlying bubbling passion for food and cooking or chefing. In any break, I was working with a very good friend called Ben Hodges, who was way ahead of his time um, in terms of sustainability back in 97. He was really talking about a lot of what we're talking about now. And um, my first job in 97 was at the Bottle Inn in Marshwood, Vale, mm-hmm. in Dorset. And it was a really ordinary pub and the food was pretty ordinary. But the chefs were extraordinary. So there were two head chefs. One was a vegan he- um, chef who obviously had to cook meat in the pub. The other was this chap, Ben Hodges, who became my best friend and mentor and invited me to tour around the British music festivals cooking uh, with him and also catering for weddings and the quality of the food that we were making was unreal like we were cooking from scratch for thousands of people mostly making these beautiful Spanish tortillas and uh, various different salads and things like that Um, but we were grinding pepper by hand we were chopping salsa verde for hundreds of people with a knife and everything was cooked from scratch. And that was because of Ben's passion for food, but it was, he, he previously worked at River Cafe mm-hmm. um, and had managed to bring that simplicity and quality to that kind of relatively rough festival environment. And um, his, no, like his brother as well, Jake Hodges, was um, also worked at the River Cafe. Both of them were like super passionate about Spanish food, like real rustic Spanish food because their mother used to live in the south of Spain. And oh. so they had this really strong connection with Spain. And so my foundation in cooking was very, very much kind of traditional Spanish food and Moorish cuisine. Oh. And... Ben invited me on several occasions to travel with him to Spain. On the first occasion, we drove in 24 hours without turning the engine off oh my to gosh. 
the very southern tip of Spain. It was a hell of an experience, um, but we got there and it was freezing cold. We picked up oil for the season, uh, olive oil, and went into the to the factory, which was just very small production. And it was unreal. Like, just that was... At 18, that was a real education in food. Yeah, Whilst yeah. other friends in were like perhaps going to college in in Weymouth or uh, Dorchester to, to catering college and like really bored out of their minds and learning nothing but how to cook terrible food. <laughs> uh, I, I was really fortunate to have this real education in, in food and cooking. Uh, and so, yeah, in a way, it's an interesting thing because often it's asked of us in interviews you know are you a trained chef yeah and of course I am a trained chef because I've worked with loads of amazing head chefs and every kitchen you're being heavily trained yeah yeah but but no not (laughs) the answer is no because uh, I haven't ever kind of studied food now I feel a little bit differently with with now I'm aware of places like Ballymaloo when someone looks through your profile or looks at what you do you you're also huge on food waste and when did that sort of when did that aspect come in to your career and how did it as an as an interest so what sparked that yeah so in 2011 I was invited by Tristram Stewart who wrote Waste a Global Scandal and is really one of the key protagonists in the food waste movement or anti-food waste movement and so I I cooked for 200 people on Southwark Bridge using food that would have otherwise been wasted. And really the moment I was asked to do that event, I was like, okay, this is huge. It gave me real purpose because up until that point, I'd, I'd always cooked sustainably in a way, like that first cooking experience with Ben Hodges, we were a soil association organic certified cafe um, and had all of these ethics and sustainability credentials at that early stage but basically we can have an impact even as an individual and yep. up until that point I was slightly kind of not apathetic but just like okay I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do but I don't know if it's actually making a difference and then but then when that event came about we saved tons of food from being wasted all of the resources that went into producing that food and then we fed people with it and raised money to give to Fair Share, which saved tens of thousands more food, uh, yeah, more meals. And, and so the impact was really far reaching. That, that's really interesting. So it sounds like that was a real pivotal moment for you. So in a way, if you hadn't been asked to, to do that feast, maybe your career would have taken a slightly different path. Yeah, who knows? Um, it's hard to speculate, really. I mean, in a, in a sense, uh, I feel like this has always been my path. When we moved to Dorset we, when I was 12 or te- like just under 12, we inherited two goats with our house, which I had to milk before school every day at seven in the morning when I was starting <laughs> secondary school and like the last year of primary school. And that, you know, that's an education in food and sustainability. And then my first job at 14 was working on an intensive pig farm. And that's an education in sustainability, oh gosh, yeah. or, you know. Um, yeah, I, I feel the same because I grew up in the in the South Shropshire countryside, and 
most of my friends had small holdings. So I, I grew up with, you know, all my, all my friends having chickens and goats and, and animals and you feel and, and also a lot of them were, were farmers, actually. So you feel very close to the system. You just understand it more, I think. Yeah, it's sort of you you see how things um, how things are done, basically. What what are the top things that people waste like individuals? What would you say? I suppose what, I suppose what you can do about it is the key thing, isn't it? Uh, well, I mean, the premise of my book, Eating for Pleasure, People and Planet, is my food philosophy, root to fruit eating. And it's a manifesto, really. The book is a manifesto for a sustainable food system and how we can all participate in that. And for, I came to this, as you know, through food waste. So it's got that lens. And what I think is unique about that is that, firstly, food waste is a really tangible topic with clear stats, facts and figures that we all, like that everyone agrees with and that everyone cares about. And the broader topics around food sustainability and climate change are far more complex and harder to comprehend and also place for a disagreement, even denial. It is complex, Um, isn't it? And so food waste is a really great, great way to start the conversation. And I think... So So, right from those early days when I was doing the Forgotten Feast and creating these banquets from surplus, I really just saw food waste as a gateway to discuss the broader issues of environment, our environmental crisis. But not just that, I saw them as a solution because when we start to waste less, what we're doing really is starting to value our food more. And we're also saving money, um, which essentially is a budget to buy those better quality ingredients. So the approach I've taken, although my Guardian column is very practical and is about literally taking those often byproducts or various odds and ends of vegetables like beetroot leaves or peelings and finding practical and useful recipes for them within the book and within my root to fruit manifesto I've taken a far more uh, philosophical approach Um, and I'm not trying to sound lordy (laughs) um, with that but actually when you start to think a bit more deeply about why we're wasting food and I mean the, the real reason is that we've lost touch quite a lot with its origin and even nature and so really what I'm doing and and the kind of yeah underlying story or narrative within my work is trying to help people reconnect with their food and its origin and nature and this I mean the easiest way we can do that is through eating for pleasure and so the three key pillars of the Root to Fruit Manifesto are eat for pleasure, eat whole foods and eat the best food you can. Yeah. And pleasure isn't just about gorging on cake and pizza, although I love doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
it's it's about learning about where your food comes from, like learning about fine wine or even a cigar if you like cigars. Who, yeah. who I don't know who smokes cigars anymore, but it's yeah. I, I think I think it as a listener of somebody listening to this podcast that is say a family of three, they're in an apartment, they're living in a city or in a in a town. How do you start? You want to eat better. You want you want to waste less. You want to do your, your bit, but you just have no idea where to start and what's the starting point. And I think people get really overwhelmed with there's just too much to do, so there's no point to do anything at all and and change any habits. And I think a lot of and it's like exercise. People sometimes find that too overwhelming. So when it comes to food waste and eating better and these amazing pillars that you're talking about where do you start if you don't have a clue but you want to do better well you've just described my family um, <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to i'm i'm going to go back to my three pillars because yes I, do it basically you start by eating for pleasure so don't Eat so, so, someone might say, "I I want to eat that pack that packet of crisps. Yeah. I want do I want eat to that eat packet that, of crisps. I want, but I want to eat that highly processed cake. What do you and say? And do 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 do. That's not like I said. <laughs> like I said, it's really important to eat those things when you want to, and they're a treat. But it's good to yeah. realise that they're a treat, and that they are highly processed and actually not very good for you. Mm. And that there's a lot of pleasure to be taken from. Uh, learning about your food and where it comes from going to markets and and it's really just as simple as like cooking from scratch whenever you can and cooking with those raw ingredients so if a supermarket is the most sensible place for you to shop i would always advise people to to shorten the food chain and yeah. shop direct through veg box schemes and farmers markets whenever you can but you can um literally just cooking from scratch going to if you have to go to the supermarket just sticking to more raw ingredients will have a huge impact and then sticking to ingredients that are more that have got you or from your country of origin or at least from your hemisphere yeah is is also a good way um but then yeah eating so eat pillar the second pillar eating whole foods i'm a whole i've become a whole food chef because of my food waste mission i've always enjoyed whole foods um and would always like enjoy brown bread more than white bread and things like that but through working in food waste i've realized that actually it's not just about trying to find a way of eating a banana skin or not peeling a potato it's actually though those other products that we purchase like pasta um, bread and, and flour and so eating a lot more whole foods is also a way that we can have a huge impact firstly on our own health because we've got a soup like actually although it's great to eat that packet of crisps as a for pleasure as a treat that eating too many of those things is is has caused an obesity pandemic across yeah. the planet you know, I was going to say, so I suppose it's what you're trying to do. And I, you know, I wholeheartedly agree. It's hopefully getting people to understand the reasons. So basically, you are eating for 
pleasure but you i think i when i personally definitely feel this i would get more pleasure eating something one if i knew it was healthy if it was sustainable if it was you know not well sourced that would give me pleasure but so i suppose it's trying to find a way to get people to to feel that yeah and i think like wine like i mentioned wine earlier um the more you know about wine the more you enjoy it and you can differentiate between the different regions of where that wine came from or the grapes that were used. And food, like other ingredients are no different, really. A turnip grown in one field to the next will taste very different, especially de- depending on the, the way it was farmed. And so in, in the book, un- like one of the key ways that I, I describe eating for pleasure is through my chocolate truffle. Which is I have an tried the chocolate truffle. Oh, that sounds very good. I've made that chocolate truffle. <gasps> it's oh, amazing. Cool. Oh, yes, I remember. Thank you, yeah. Um, <laughs> chocolate is a really good wet place to start because like wine, it is eat, depending on the terroir and biodiversity of where that chocolate was grown, it is very, very different in flavour. And mm. so it's very easy to distinguish and understand how the importance of the biodiversity and terroir on on an ingredient through that's a great example sustainability can come across as worthy but at the end of the day starting with this notion of eating for pleasure and chocolate starts to abolish that those ideas because it's not worthy it's simply about caring and knowledge and understanding Mm -hmm. and enjoying yourself (laughs) Um, and that luckily, you know, uh, and importantly, as a chef, that's where I'm coming from. So we like to finish off our podcasts with a best or most memorable advice anyone's given you or words to live by. Well, <laughs> I haven't been able to pre- prepare for this conversation. <laughs> um, this I'd like question. to challenge you. Yeah. I mean, it the should first be something thi- that pops up. Yeah. The first thing that pops to mind is... Yeah, one of my fellow chefs at River Cottage telling me before a wedding that I was catering for just that the most important thing to do is to keep it as simple as possible and to focus on the quality of the ingredients and the quality of your cooking. And that's paid off for me ever since, whether Mm. I'm cooking for a dinner party for 20 or a wedding for 200. And That's really or, good or, advice. Yeah, or even nice. for 2,000 people when I'm cooking for at a festival. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I should also read you a quote from my book by Wendell Berry because it sums up where I'm coming from. Eating is inescapably an agricultural act and how we eat determines to a considerable extent how the world is used. And that, yeah, that's that's really where I'm coming from with the whole book and my philosophy and I often describe the book as a book about farming and agriculture not just cooking it's it's because where our food comes from really determines not just what it's going to taste like and the quality but you know how our world works yeah that's a fantastic note to end on um it's been amazing having you on Thank you so much, Tom. And just to sort of, you know, mention it again, please do check out Tom's amazing book, Eating for Pleasure, People and the Planet. It's fantastic. 
Oh, and go on to his social uh, Instagram because you're doing some amazing, amazing content and those videos are, are still up and so useful in education. Thanks, guys. It's been such a pleasure and really great to have a long chat and catch up. Thank you very much for listening. We really do hope you enjoy our food conversations. Absolutely. And please feel free to follow us on our socials, Bettina's Kitchen and Rebel Recipes. And of course, all of this has been made possible thanks to our sponsor, Odyssey, who supply incredible Greek and Mediterranean flavours and ingredients. You can see it all for yourself, along with some brilliant recipe ideas on the website, which is odyssey.com, spelt O-D-Y-S-E-A. And don't forget that as a listener to our podcast, you get an exclusive 15% off on your order just by using the code WTF15 at the checkout. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to get more podcast episodes and please feel free to give us a five-star rating. Happy cooking and we'll see you soon.